Welcome back, everybody, to the show. It's episode 121 of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Friday. That means, per usual, we're here to give you guys the MMA weekend preview. And really, it's going to be centered mostly around the UFC this weekend. UFC taking full advantage of the conglomerate they have turned themselves into. Uh, they are basically competing against themselves this weekend. That's <laughs> yes. it. Just, just them. It's me, myself, and I, as you right. would say right now. Uh, next week will be different. Mm-hmm. We'll worry about that when we get to it. Uh, it's a big card, too. Ooh, so, yeah. you know, we typically get excited about even, you know, even the, the, the smallest, the smallest of, of cards. Yeah. yeah, the smallest fight still, we find a way to get excited about them. But there's no trouble getting oh. excited for this one. Mm-hmm. Sure, we're not paying 70 bucks for it. But it feels like we should be. I honestly oh, feel yeah. like we're robbing the company. Blind we're getting here. spoiled this weekend. Yeah. Um, now, Dominic, I, uh, I had to. I have to update the viewers on something that we've talked about previously on this podcast. Um, something that not only do these fights excite you this weekend, but you know what else excites you is the What's fact that? that the the Salee family pool. Is now and your words in my night, words, yep, 95% complete. <laughs> yes, as you guys are full on swimming in it, you said, <laughs> <Yo, the>, Yes, <laughs> the same 95% complete. Yes, so how does it feel? It feels good, man. I mean, it's been a beautiful week, so there's been a lot of work done to it, and we are able to get into the water. It's getting treated and cleaned out, all the fun stuff. I say 95% because we got to get the fence up, got to get the concrete cleaned off, you know, some of that stuff. But for the most part, it's done. I did a huge cannonball last night just to, you know, break it in. It was pretty fun <laughs> until my ears popped like crazy. Ooh, but yeah. nevertheless, it was a great time. Can't wait to have all the bros over. My half of the blur, but Joe's over. Mm. But until then, I guess I got to. Swim by myself. It's fine, though. <laughs> Noah, how are you doing, my friend, as we get this weekend started? Oh, I feel great. You want to know why? Because we crowned the new NBA champion uh, oh, a couple days ago. Here the Milwaukee go. Bucks have been crowned NBA champions. And now you guys look and you go, aren't you from Ohio? Yeah, I'm not a Milwaukee Bucks fan. But, and I think Dominic can attest to this. I, can't. I am the longest standing Giannis Antetokounmpo fan in history. Yes. I've been literally on this guy's hype train from day one. I saw the potential before anyone else did. That's not true. But I I am a big fan of him. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Um, Something about the fact that he is 6'11", and he has the skill set of sometimes a point guard. And I've always found that very intriguing. Um, Now, I put this on Twitter and on my personal Twitter, which you guys can follow at into <laughs> um, Shameless but, but uh I put on there that for anybody that I played on NBA 2K 16 through 19, this <laughs> and uh, my co-host here is is a prime candidate for this. Yes. Um, I said this shouldn't come as a surprise that the Milwaukee Bucks won the title. And that's because I was clapping cheeks on 2K for four years with this team. This is true. And, and you know, Dominic, you, you were a, a a big victim at yes. that time. You know, you tried to use your Clipper teams that just yes. never could get the job done. No one um, no put Giannis in at point guard, and it was over. That was it. <laughs> called timeout, and you're like, oh, shit. 
the, the kid from The Simpsons, I'm in danger. That was me. Anytime <laughs> Noah would call that timeout and make that adjustment. Oh, man. Yeah, so I was having fun. Literally every person that liked that tweet was the Had people been- that, I, <laughs> that, I, that I victimized in that game. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a time. I'll tell you what, people. I'm not much of a gamer anymore. I don't own any video games. I don't own any stations anymore. Um, Dominic is a big gamer. Yeah, what a nerd. Am I right? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm not. I've kind of just, you know, I'm sure eventually I'll buy a PS5 or something. But for now, I do not have any. However, because of that, I never really was all that competitive in video games. I've always been more of a sports gamer. Yeah. Um, loved 2K Madden. MLB the your show. Your dynasty modes, your franchise Yeah, I modes. love my franchise modes. You know that. Um, but I never got into like the first-person shooters very much or um, the open-world adventures or whatever. Yeah. And somehow, I wasn't even very competitive with video games, but somehow, some way, with 2K, <laughs> I found the recipe. This dude like, was a different animal. Literally, the Milwaukee Bucks, and I just put Giannis at point guard, <laughs> and all of a sudden, it just... It was game over. Yeah, and uh, and you know, I again, I was never competitive with them, but after that, I was like, oh, I'm at, I, I might have a future in this. <laughs> the two K uh, league. Yeah, uh, but um, I, I was very happy to see my man Giannis get his first ring. Put a fifty piece up on the Phoenix Suns and the next day. <laughs> ordered a fifty piece in the Chick Fil A drive through. It's a hell of a so. meal. So I think that's a good way to transition into what you all actually came here to listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a uh, fight talk. And we start with our fight announcements, but they ain't no fights being announced. No, <laughs> just, that's true. These are just uh, fights being moved around. We start with an unfortunate one, our co-main event for oh. Bellator 263. Half being a week from Saturday, uh, Magomed Magomedov versus Rafael Stotts at Looked like he's going to be a title eliminator yep. winner, probably getting the next shot uh, for Sergio Pettis's bantamweight title. Unfortunately, that that bout is off. Uh, I don't know who the injury was suffered by, but I believe mm-hmm. it was an injury that caused this bout to be taken off. Um, the signs seem to point that it might have been Magomedov because uh, I know there was vi- Stotts was putting <clears throat> videos of him running on a track just a day or two before yeah. this announcement. So, I mean, not saying it still couldn't be him, but that's just where my mind went when I saw it. Right. Um, regardless, doesn't matter. Just hope for a recovery for whoever it is, and hopefully we still get to see that bout at some point in 2021. I, I definitely want to see it um, in, in the fall at some point because we need to get Sergio, his next guy, up, um, and hopefully they can have their bout beginning of 2022 maybe. For sure. Um, so that, that's all I hope for there. Any thoughts on that one? I just, again, unfortunate, hopefully, whether – Whoever it was that got injured, hopefully it's a quick recovery, get that fight rebooked as soon as possible. That was a fantastic co-main to go alongside the Pitbull and McKee fight, but that's all right. Hopefully we'll get it by the end of the year, as Noah says, get a next title challenger for Sergio Pettis. Mm. The only other thing here for fight announcements is actually about that we were going to talk about today uh, in our the rest part of the show. Um, it's been pushed back a week. Uh, that is number seven ranked heavyweight Shamil Abdurrahimov going up against number 10, Chris Dawkins, that's been pushed back to July 31st as well for good reason. Um, this card is, doesn't really need this fight. This fight was kind of – It's stacked. It, it was <laughs> you know, deep into the prelims. Um, so – and you would think – Yeah. So, so well, just to be clear, uh, you would think that because of that, that's the reason they're pushing it back is because these are two 
top 10 heavyweights. So you would put them in a more prominent on position on a, on a weaker card on that July 31st card. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case though. They're basically in the same spot. They're literally still, buried on the prelims. They're buried <laughs> on the prelims. So I don't really understand it, but personally, selfishly for our show, it gives us another fight. To yeah. Talk Cause about. that's a fight that I do want to talk about. And, yeah. Um, Look, just a heads up, that July 31st UFC card is... Uh, we we may only discuss two fights on the whole <laughs> Anyways, so. moving on from the <laughs> announcements. Um, we're going to... Really, all the news today is UFC-centered. and Yeah. Um, all of it's also centered around a very popular application that we all use. <laughs> that that blue bird, that damn blue bird Twitter. Uh, the tweeter. Yeah, starting with Gilbert Burns... He My big, goodness. He had a big win at UFC 264 over Stephen Thompson. But we all kind of knew that in that fight, it felt like Stephen Thompson was the one that had more to gain from, yeah. from a win there. Gilbert Burns more just trying to keep his name in, in the, the top. In, in the conversation. But uh, you got uh, some of these other guys that are looking like they're ahead of him right now for potential title shots. Colby Covington, Leon Edwards even. Um, but – He's doing his damnedest right now to try to to get his name out there even more because he has been going off on Twitter. I love it. I respect it. You know, I, I do respect it. So it started with probably the stuff that I – it's more harmless, uh, just tweeting um, Leon, question mark, with a couple eye emojis, yeah. Jorge, question mark, couple yeah. eye emojis, Nate, calling out Nate Diaz. He's done that in the past. Um, and then he decided to just kind of focus in on Nate Diaz. <laughs> A lot of this is because Nate Diaz has taken public shots at um, Gilbert in the past, like when yeah. Gilbert Burns was originally scheduled to face Kamaru Usman at UFC 251. And at the time, everybody kind of thought Jorge Masvidal should have been the yeah. one in that spot. But they, a lot of fans thought he got passed over for Gilbert because Gilbert might have been able to take a pay cut compared to what Jorge was probably wanting to fight for. Uh, Nate Diaz took shots at him for that, saying, you know, I don't know. If, I don't remember the verbiage being used, but it didn't put it. It wasn't very nice, you know, just yeah. saying that this guy is, will just pick. He'll take fights for scraps and us real fighters have to pay the consequences of not being able to get our fights or whatever. You know, yeah, it's it's just one of those type of arguments. Um, so Gilbert just proceeds. I, I don't even I can't even go into all of it. I mean, he just proceeds to take so many shots at Nate Diaz yeah, over it's the course a of the last, the last 48 hours. I mean, he's, uh, I don't even have any that I can just read off. Cause it's literally, his, if you go to his Twitter account, that's all he's tweeted about for the last 48 hours. Um, my, my question here for you, Dom. Now we, we know Gilbert Burns is obviously does all of this is his, his reason, his focus here is to get back into that title contention. Yeah. Um, does a does a fight with a guy like Nate Diaz do I I know it probably doesn't in your eyes, but does a fight with a guy like Nate Diaz do more for him than a fight with someone like Leon Edwards or Jorge Masvidal? Or is um, him kind of going after and targeting Nate Diaz so much? Does it feel like maybe he he should focus more on those actual top welterweight contenders right now? Um Really, if you're Gilbert, I love it because he's just going after everybody. And for mm-hmm. Nate specifically, in terms of getting him closer to a title shot, no, because we probably think still he needs two more wins anyways, uh, should Usman stay as champion. And 
the good news is if Burns were to get a fight against Diaz, he's going to get the biggest paycheck of his life. He's going to get the biggest rub of his life where people can see him and more spotlight shined on him. So uh, I don't hate on it at all. In terms of closer to a title shot, I mean, maybe, just maybe. But, I mean, Leon just beat him, and he's truthfully nowhere closer, and he's on a like a 10-fight unbeaten streak. So, But to get your name out there, if you go with Burns, I respect it. I love it along with the Colby call-outs, the Leon call-outs. I mean, Jorge, he's going after everybody that he hasn't fought yet. And uh, I respect it, man. I mean, he's a great fighter at the end of the day, super well-rounded, a dangerous matchup for all of them. So, And I got to say, by the way, Diaz, his only, like, subtweet, is that even still a thing anymore, subtweeting people? Mm-hmm. He tweeted, I guess, in response to this, uh, I just want to fight the guy that already knocked all you fools out, speaking about Usman knocking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jorge and Gilbert Burns. So just Nate being Nate trying to earn a title fight. What's the surprise there? Hey, you know, it's it's Diaz being Diaz, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you can't blame the guy for wanting to fight the best. And people I mean, love it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, I, if, if the UFC booked it, if they legitimately booked it right now, that's a different story. I mean, I really don't see how – I don't really see how you can um, – what's the word? How can you uh, justify that? Yeah. Um Given a guy a title shot, uh, that's not. I don't think that's in the discussion here. I mean, we've seen some some out there uh, title challengers be announced. You know, Dan Henderson when he fought Michael Bisping and he was yeah. ranked like 14th, but at least he was coming off a win. <laughs> yeah, um, probably a couple wins at that time. You know, Diaz not being there's no way, but obviously Usman and 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 Nate have shared their words, um, even. Um, Kamaru's manager has been doing a lot of his work trying to yeah. kind of get that fight, at least like plug it a little bit, maybe like kind of, you know, sprinkle some, some hints out there for a potential future fight in case Nate's able to get a bounce back win or something. Um, regardless, I will say Burns and Nate is a fun fight though. Stylistically. I agree. I, cause I think they're both dogs that are going to get in there and get in each other's face and, take the fight to one another. Sure, Gilbert also is the type of guy that knows where his talents lie in, in a fight. You know, he saw it in the Stephen Thompson fight. Mm-hmm. Not not style, you know, not the most exciting fight in the world. But I think in a fight with Nate Diaz, where is Gilbert's clear advantage? I mean maybe and can I mean, you hold jiu- Nate down? Sure. Yeah. Is his jujitsu probably better than Nate Diaz? Probably is his striking better than Nate Diaz? Probably maybe I don't it's it's all kind of nil. Like I feel like their their skills kind of reflect each other. Yeah. And it's more gonna be like, can Nate withstand the power of Gilbert? While can Gilbert really withstand the volume of Diaz? Yeah. Um, I think it is a very interesting fight. Honestly, probably one of the better matchups for Diaz in that kind of top five at welterweight. If I'm being yeah. honest, not a disrespect True. to to um, to Gilbert, just more so how the matchups work out that I think yeah. their skill sets really align with one another. So Diaz wouldn't necessarily be out of that fight. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I like what Gilbert's doing right now. I honestly think it's kind of, it's a little annoying or aggravating to me that he's kind of been thrust out of this conversation to begin with. Um, the fact that, I mean, if you're talking about wanting to see Usman do these rematches, I understand Gilbert shouldn't get a rematch right now. Um, Colby Covington, I think is a good, Next fight for him. Leon Edwards should yeah. be up there in the discussion. However, Gilbert 
was very close to winning that fight in round one. I think people forget. People don't want to accept that. They want to pretend like that almost didn't happen or that Kamaru wasn't as hurt as he um, appeared. But that is what what happened. It's just Kamaru was able to come back, make the adjustments, and put the beating on Gilbert in the rounds two and three. But round one, man, that was – I mean, that was very close. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think – not saying that a second fight would go Gilbert's way, but I think we're we're overlooking him at this point. So I'm glad to see that he's uh, at least being vocal. Yeah, get your name out there at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, and uh, this this tweeter talk is not going to stop here because that's the big thing. Focus with our next news story here, but this is in the lightweight division. Oh, Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. Justin Gaethje, but again, it's been basically radio silent since he lost in his title fight with Habib Nurmagomedov back in October of 2020, while Michael Chandler has kind of been silent since he lost his title fight with Charles Oliveira. Now they both have decided to be kind of (laughs) take shots at one another on Twitter. And I'm just going to read them off because unlike – Gilbert's yeah. Twitter uh, feed. This is one tweet each, so it's a lot easier to to, yes. to get out there. Um, so Michael Chandler, this was actually on an Instagram live. Sorry, not a tweet. Uh, he said, "I've said Justin Gaethje's name no less than a hundred times since I've signed with the organization. He's been asked to fight me three or four different times. Every time he's declined. He and I are ranked two spots away from each other." He has not fought since last October. He needs to get a fight in if he thinks he's going to fight for the title. For some reason, him and his camp have no interest in fighting me. And then Gaethje Mm. took to Twitter to respond and said, uh, Mike Chandler is talking out of his ass. I was waiting for the bout agreement three weeks in the camp and wake up to news his daddy, Dana, gave him the shot. He's been out of commission since the KO. What am I missing? I'm on vacay, and this fucker is slandering my name three to four times, question mark. So things are heating up here. Gaethje's Um, not the guy you want to make angry, if you ask me. No, and you know, Michael Chandler seems like such a respectful guy that it's so interesting to see them being kind of malicious to one another right now yeah um, throwing those jabs but those verbal jabs these are both very respectful guys normally they don't typically get drugged in dragged into this kind of um beef if you will um but both are partaking in it and honestly this is I think the it's making it more clear this is the yes. fight to make right this is the fight we've called for it for months even before the title fight for chandler and now even more so after since he lost this is the fight. Oh, the stylistic clash in this one. This is violence all day long. A main event slot on a fight night. Oh, my goodness. Give it all to me. You know, Hopefully by so, the end of the year. It's so interesting, though, that we we say that. We say, oh, the you know, because they're adding fuel to the fire, as the headline says there. So they're, they're kind of increasing our interest in the fight by going back and forth like this. However... What they're going back and forth on is that neither one of them wants to accept the fight, apparently. Um, Wait, which I'm also not, true. <laughs> which I'm not saying is uh, false. I don't know. I don't know who what what story is there. I did hear an interesting story from who was it? I want to say it was either Luke Thomas or um, Chael Sonnen. 
actually. And I watched Chael um, talk about this today. It might be. Um, so I, I heard an interesting story about uh, potentially how Justin Gaethje and Islam Makachev are under the same manager, um, mm-hmm. Ali Abdelaziz. Oh, right. So right. because of that, whether we like it or not, whether we realize it or not, a lot of times when you're if you're under a guy like Ali who is managing so many fighters now, um, you know, you're not necessarily on a team, but but you are kind of in, yeah. in a sense, in yeah. a sense, there is a bit of that. You know, you try to work around having to fight one another, maybe or something. I don't know. Unless it's for like a belt, like Habib yeah. and Justin, then obviously. Sure, sure. So Apparently, I, I, I think this was Chael Sonnen talking about this, and um, it was the idea was that like maybe Ali is telling Justin to like hold off on accepting that fight because they're hoping that maybe Islam Makachev will get that fight with and Chandler. Just, yeah, because there's a better chance for Justin to get really anybody in the top five while yeah. Islam is being so kind of trying to be kind of pushed to the side by a lot of these top contenders. Yeah. So um, that was what I read or what listened to. I think it was Chaelson and I don't remember, but I thought that was an interesting idea. I don't, I don't really know how much we want to go into that. I don't know the validity of that mm-hmm. statement, but um, I just, I want to see this fight be made. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that ultimately what's kind of adding to our excitement for it. Now that they're actually publicly going at it, is the fact that they're going at it for the fact that the other guy they're saying won't take the fight. Someone's so, right and someone's is, wrong. Is this is this gonna is this gonna blow over and we eventually get these two in the octagon dom by the end of the year, you think? Or do you think that this fight's just kind of doomed and they'll never get on the same page and we might not see this fight ever, or at least not for a lot longer than we hope? It really does make you wonder, like, why is it so difficult to make this matchup? you got to think at those Tuesday afternoon meetings that Dana always talks about with the matchmakers, this has got to be circled on the board. I mean, like, this is the fight. It's so perfect in all assets of this division, and everything makes sense. I surely hope that they can come together, whether it's contract disputes or whatever the issues may be, get this fight signed, get this fight booked, uh, and potentially – Again, main event a card by the end of the year or a co-main on a big title fight card or something. But it this is a fight that I don't even want to happen at this point. I need this fight to happen as an MMA fan, as many others feel. It just makes so much sense. It almost makes too much sense to make the fight. So hopefully it gets done, man. And uh, if it does, ooh, I'll be ready to talk about it. Would you be upset if, the, if they had to pivot and go with a um, matchups of – Justin Gaethje versus Benil Dariush, and then Michael Chandler versus Islam Makachev. Because that's been the other proposed matchups. Both both of those are still incredible fight. Dariush and Gaethje. Any fight with Gaethje is always going to be pretty exciting, but when you match it with a guy like Dariush, that is a super compelling matchup. Makachev versus Chandler, yeah, they're both great fights, but none make me feel like Gaethje versus Chandler make me feel. Let's do Gaethje, yeah. Chandler, Benil, and Islam then or something. Man. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's that's kind of where my head's at. Um, yeah. That's the two matchups I want to see. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm just, I don't know if I'm quite at your level where it's like this is the fight to make. More mm-hmm. so just I try to reserve some of those expect or um, I don't want to say you're putting expectations on this fight, but I'm saying I try to reserve some of that because I just – 
you, you just never know how these fights will go. I don't want to get long. my hopes up too high. Yeah, I try not to get my hopes up a little too high just because we haven't even got the fight booked yet. Yeah. So I think once the fight's booked, I, I think a lot of times I've confused that in the past. This is a weird tangent to go on, but I'm going <laughs> to run with it. Um, you know, in the past I've talked about like when uh, Dustin versus Connor 2 happened. And afterwards, we talked about the idea of the trilogy bout happening right away. And I said, I have no interest in it. But then once the fight got booked and it kind of got a little closer, I was like, like, I I think I'm into this fight. Same with Jorge Masvidal getting rebooked immediately for another title fight with Kamaru Usman. I definitely agree. While I don't agree with the, the fight occurring, I still was got really excited for it once it got closer to fight night. Yeah. So I think in the past, I've just confused that with the disinterest in these fights when really it's just, I'm trying to reserve some of my excitement for when we actually get the announcement rather than right now, this is all just chatter. Right. That's fair. That's going to wrap it up for kind of some of the news talk. We're going to transition in to UFC Vegas 32. Oh boy. Uh, 32. Yes, this is true. Yes. Yeah, so we start with our five round main event in the oh. men's bantamweight division. Mm. Number two, Corey Sanhagen going up against technically unranked TJ Dillashaw. But we all know, and for those of you that don't, I'm going to tell you right now the story for TJ Dillashaw coming in here. TJ, the former two time men's bantamweight champion, uh, never lost the belt in his previous, yeah. uh, previous the second time putting it. Did not lose yeah. the belt. Did not lose the belt, but he did attempt to go down in weight and become a champ champ on the very first ESPN card in a bout with Henry Cejudo, a fight that he would unfortunately lose in less than a minute. Um, afterwards, he tests positive for EPO. For those of you that don't know what EPO is, that's what Lance Armstrong took, so take with that what you will. Uh, because of that, TJ relinquished his Bantamweight belt and got a two-year suspension. So this is his first time back coming off of that suspension. Uh, he got off of it back in January. So I'm um, seeing him now here in July. Um, and I put the headline here, redemption or confirmation. And I'm going to explain kind of what my thought process is here. Because my story, my the reason the, the, the fight went at, at its core, let's get a, you know, stylistically, I'm not even talking about it yet. Just the in story terms line. of storyline. You got redemption for TJ Dillashaw. This is a guy who, even when he hadn't tested positive for EPO, when he was a champion, he was respected, but not well liked. You know, he's yes. never really been a very well liked. He's a villain, quote unquote. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Even like it, I just think that like he's not necessarily been a guy that's cared what the fans think about him. You know, yes. Yeah. He's been kind of himself, and a lot of times fans haven't really enjoyed that. He does come across as like kind of cocky and stuff like that sometimes. Um, He's like a Luke Rockhold type persona. But now that he has tested positive for EPO and got the two-year suspension, now the fans don't even respect him anymore. Now it's, you know, well, he was only that good because he was taking steroids and whatnot. Um, which I think we both can agree is kind of stupid to say that. Um, but I understand that people are just angry and they speak kind of out of line like that. So this is redemption for TJ Dillashaw to 
not only prove I'm not I'm not sure if he's ever going to be able to win back the fans the fans that never really were on his side to begin with I think that's kind of a ship that sailed mm-hmm. and I think he recognizes that but redemption in the sense of proving to the doubters that that talent is the reason why he was a two-time bantamweight champion and that no other um while that other stuff sure helped him probably isn't the reason why he was a champion to begin with. It might've even been a champion without it regardless. Right. On the other end, I put confirmation and a more simple one here for Corey Sanhagen. We thought he was kind of the net rightful next man up. Unfortunately, Aljamain Sterling and Peter Jan kind of have unfinished business from their bout back in March. So this is more for him just to confirm what we already believe about Corey Sanhagen is that he's a rightful contender, rightful number one contender in this bantamweight division and potentially a future Gee. champion, which has been kind of the 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 weight he's had to bear on his shoulders oh, from day one. So, Dominic, with that being said, with the storyline being set up here, now let's kind of get stylistically, why do you find this fight so intriguing and where do you see it kind of going once that door closes on Saturday? It's so intriguing just because Corey Sanhagen is such a puzzle, a Swiss army knife, if you will, in terms of a mixed martial artist. And, and you know, another piece of the storyline before we get too deep into the uh, styles and we can't dig ourselves out. These guys have trained together in the past before mm-hmm. as, as well. Yep. TJ Dillashaw brought in Sanhagen to mirror Dominic Cruz when he was training to fight him. So if that tells you anything about the movement and the style that Corey Sanhagen has, you know, that's how good this kid really is. And um, so, yeah, Sanhagen, well-rounded as they come, great grappling, great jujitsu on the feet. He's fantastic. His movement is second to none, really only to Dominic Cruz. And I think it's even more different. Like they're similar, but also different the way they move about the octagon and Corey's so much different from Dominic Cruz because of his length and his long limbs. And you saw what he did to Frankie Edgar in his last fight with the flying knee. And then the knockout before that, a spinning wheel kick over Marlon Marais. I mean, this guy has all the tools in the tool belt to finish this fight on the feet, on the ground, go the distance for 25 minutes. He really is that good. Now, and for Dillashaw, he's really solid all across the board as well. I mean, he's a great stand-up fighter has a great grappling used to be with team alpha male and they're known for how great their wrestling uh, is over there. Their credentials. He's a former two-time champion. He's um, been on the ultimate fighter before as a semifinalist. These guys are two of the most well-rounded fighters that you can match up against one another in all of the UFC. And especially in this absolutely stacked 135 pound division, both guys can end the fight at any point, anywhere. And it's just, adds even more to it when you know a title fight is probably next no matter who wins this fight but the storyline to which that could play out is completely different and so this is why the fans have wanted this fight for so long and it got delayed once hope to goodness it stays through for 48 more hours and we see it saturday night because i think no matter who wins this fight is going to be non-stop from start to finish and it's just such a great stylistic clash between two fantastic 135 pounders man yeah great addition there at the beginning about the uh training partners i forgot about that that note um yeah this fight is fantastic as we've said and 
for me, uh, what's so interesting about this is um, Corey Sanhagen is, should be the favorite coming in here. We know that mm-hmm. he he's the guy that's been active over these last couple of years. Really, his rise has been when TJ fell. Um, yeah. You know, when even when you look at them being training partners, I mean, that was when TJ Dillashaw, Dillashaw was a champion. Corey Sanhagen was fighting for LFA at the time. Right. So um, they've come a long way since then. But in a lot of ways, it's more Sanhagen's came a long way since then. Yep. And while TJ is kind of in a in a more downer place than he was at that time. Um, however, in getting into this matchup, Sanhagen has shown one glaring weakness in his game. And that was his wrestling in the Aljamain Sterling fight. Right. We know TJ Dillashaw has great wrestling. So there is a clear route to victory for TJ Dillashaw. And I still think that he even can hold his own on the feet in a matchup with Sandy. If anybody can do it, I really think TJ can. Yeah. He's, his, out, his, his output is very much what wins him a lot of his fights. And he's so um, quick and fast. Very, yes, yes, agreed. However... Something I have to consider here is what TJ Dillashaw tested positive for was a substance EPO, which is known for really where it would benefit you is in your ability to um, throw more endurance, Mm -hmm. um, your ability to throw more. Like that's where it benefits a guy like that. So I'm just going to be interested to see like, do we see that same fighter? While I, I I definitely disagree with any sentiment that this that TJ Dillashaw was um, somehow a champion or um, somehow this world otherworldly better fighter because of EPO, I still think it's worth talking about. Like, is his style going to be a lot different coming in here? Because even if it's a mental thing for him, which I have to assume. Part of that was the reason why he took EPO in the first place. He was already damn good. Yeah. Just to be clear, the guy did not test positive in any fight before that. They retroactively went back and tested his samples for Cody Garbrandt yeah. fights and Dominic Cruz fights, all that. He never tested. It was only the Cejudo. I'm not saying that it's the only fight he used it in. I get it. Is it? Who knows, Brent? Maybe not. But this is a guy that clearly just – thought he needed another advantage to to try to keep himself above the rest of the competition. That's a mental game, man. Yeah. So now that he doesn't have that, mentally, where is he? You know, and he's got a two-year layoff coming in here against a killer in Corey Sandhagen, who in some ways is going to be familiar with TJ's game mm-hmm. because they were so, you know, closely quartered with one another during the training sessions. Um, that's where I'll be very interested to see how this fight goes. And I'm going to go so far as to say, Dom, that whoever wins this fight, I think we're going to know very early in the fight mm, who it's going to be based on whether it's a first-round finish or if this fight goes five rounds. I think it's going to be – I don't want to say like a domination or anything like that, but much like in a fight – Yeah, you know, you think of a fight like Rob Font and Cody Garbrandt. It was very yeah. clear um, early on in that fight that Rob Font just – looked like he was going to win that bout. Yeah. Sure, can things happen? Yes, but uh, I think we're going to know very early on who's going to be the clear winner, who has the clear advantage in this matchup. Right. And I think that'll hold true for the remainder of the fight. So 
that's what I'm looking forward to is who's going to win that round one. And because in my eyes, that's going to be likely who takes it the rest of the way. Yeah. And I want to see how uh, the size difference is going to be in there too. Cause Sanhagen's so big for a bantamweight. He's five eleven. He's going to have like a four inch or a three and a half inch reach advantage. TJ has been in there with some of the best in the world, obviously, but never quite someone as lanky uh, and long as Corey Sanhagen. And he's so good at managing his length and utilizing it to his strength. So I'm very curious to see how the uh, range fighting will be in terms of, you know, the clinch, the dirty boxing, and then, of course, the distance strikes. It's going to be very exciting. Can TJ get in there and close that distance? Can he get the takedowns if he does? Has Sanhagen improved his game to where he can get up? Can he threaten with submissions from the back? Will Sanhagen threaten takedowns with Dillashaw? There really are just so many question marks because they're both so damn good everywhere, man. Yeah, we say that. I mean, do we really know if Corey Sanhagen's good on the ground? I mean, I mean, I feel as offensively, yes, but he's going to have to be very defensively sound against a guy like Dillashaw is the problem. I agree. Like, I don't I, think Sanhagen's coming in with a wrestle-heavy approach in terms of offense. He's going to want to stay on the feet with Dillashaw. Well, I guess what I what I mean, Mike, and I'm not meaning this as this to like put you on the spot. I just mean more for us to talk about like. We're saying how well-rounded these two are. And I definitely think for TJ, that's been proven. I mean, the guy's had more time to do it. He's been a two-time champion. He's proven that he can get the fight done anywhere and everywhere. Right. But we keep going back to the one loss for Sanhagen in that Sterling fight, and the wrestling is really where he failed there. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Sterling is very good in that aspect. But he didn't – I mean, Sanhagen didn't really look that competitive in in that fight. Yeah, but we know how good he's looked outside of that, but it's mostly been due to his striking, which is next level. So Dillashaw, if he's able to close that distance, I don't know how well-rounded Sanhagen really is. I guess that's a good question. Mm. Really, Sterling's been the only guy that's been able to close that distance, kind of figure out that puzzle to get in close and and take him down. And it was a very one-sided, quick fight. Yeah, obviously Corey coming off of that loss has said that kind of awoken something in him, and he's really been able to make a lot of improvements. So we'll just have to see. But I, I honestly think at this point I'm refraining from necessarily calling Corey Sanhagen a a well-rounded fighter. I think mm-hmm. he's an elite fighter. I think he's a fantastic fighter, a future champion. I even have called him on this podcast. But I don't think it's uh need to see a little more. He's a bit of a bantamweight Israel Adesanya in my eyes right now, like. He's an elite fighter, yeah. but it's going to be because he gets it done his way and is able to stop you from taking the fight to where you want to get it done. I like that. I like it. Moving on, a little lower on the main card. We'll get to the co-main event, but it's going to be a little bit later. Right. These are the fights that we're focusing on for our headlines. The women's fight in question is going to be number 13-ranked Miranda Maverick and number 14-ranked Macy Barber happening in the women's strawweight division. This is clearly the two best women's prospects in this division. The two best, two biggest, whatever you want to call it. And almost in all of the women's divisions. Probably. I mean, this is the most loaded division in in the UFC for the women. So it, it would make sense that that would be the case. Um, now with that being said, I think coming in here, a lot of people are overlooking Macy Barber's chances and that's mostly yeah. because of where these girls are at recently. I mean, Miranda Maverick, I believe has only fought UFC twice, twice. Yeah. She's looked really good. And obviously she looked good before she came into the UFC. She's 
very well she's a very well-rounded fighter i would say but tends to take that fight to the ground mm-hmm. and dominate it that way macy barber has been in the ufc longer but is on a two-fight losing streak right now right and the roxanne modafferi fight's a weird one because she was highly favored to win that fight kind of got dominated but also tore her acl yeah first round um, but still roxanne clearly was winning that fight before the ACL tour. Regardless, she got dominated in that fight. Comes back and had a good showing, but um, back and forth, you know. Yeah, who was her what was her what's it was that? Alexa Grasso. Yes, Alexa Grasso in that UFC two fifty eight main yeah. card. Um, it was the co-main event. It was co-main event. Yeah. She, she it was back and forth, but it that was another fight where I felt like Alexa Grasso was winning the whole time. Right. That's how it felt to me watching it. So she has a lot of ground to make up because of that. Because you know, she was she was throwing out a lot of big claims saying that she, she wanted to be the youngest champ. Yeah. Yes. And um now she has a chance to bounce back here, but it's against essentially another version of herself in Random Maverick, another girl in a similar spot as her. And it's a tough way to kind of come in here and look for a bounce back win. Yeah. How do you see this going? And if Macy Barber loses this fight, Dom, what does that mean for her future prospects? Yeah, I mean, stylistically, this fight, both of these women are so aggressive and love to push their opponent and make it their pace of the fight. So when they when they meet in the middle – Who's going to get the upper hand? And, of course, Miranda uh, is a fantastic wrestler, a great grappler. She showed that against Jillian Robertson, who's a jiu-jitsu ace and submits everybody. But Miranda was able to defend off all submissions, threatened with her own, dominated Jillian on the ground, and even on the feet, has shown her improvement fight by fight. Her first UFC fight was a back-and-forth stand-up war, looked way safer and more comfortable against Robertson. Uh, And then for Macy, she's someone that just wants to stand and bang, but at the same time can get you in that clinch, hit with nasty elbows, great dirty boxing. So, again, it's just two people that are so aggressive. Someone's going to have to get the upper advantage, or the upper hand, I should say. Miranda's so physically strong. But I will say, from what I've seen with Macy Barber, she looks physically leaner uh, than she has in the past. So it's – very interesting how their physiques will come into play, the physical strength of one another. I think it's going to be really nonstop uh, just because they've never shown anything other than that, than meeting in the middle and putting the pressure toward their opponent. So I do think it's a great stylistic fight. It's very important for each one of them to crack into the top 10. Your second question in terms of if Macy loses, that's a very, very interesting question because again, Someone that came into the UFC undefeated was at the time the youngest fighter on the whole roster, um, performed on the contender series and earned her contract that way. Still only 23 uh, and Mavericks 24, which is just crazy. They're like that new wave of MMA athletes. But for Barber, she's has a like a big following, but at the same time, a lot of haters. And I think that's because of her confidence that she's always carried with her. I've always been more on like, the positive side of it because I've seen just she showed how good she is in the octagon. So this is very important for her because if she does lose here through a three fight skid, granted they're all great opponents, all ranked. And I get that, but that hurts, especially at at such a young age, mentally, you got to think it really takes a toll as well. And of course we know she's torn her ACL. So this is a humongous fight for her to bounce back uh, and against 
another bull and Miranda Maverick. This is not easy for either woman just because of the motivation that both of them carry into this one. You know, where, where I think this matchup is um, when I get down to the skill sets of these women, uh, and this doesn't bode well, I guess, in my estimation for Macy based on what I'm about to say, uh, Miranda Maverick seems very solid in kind of her skill set. Her grappling seems like it's very much at a very good level. You know, maybe her stand-up right needs a lot of work, but just that, you know, having that base that she has, she's very good in that aspect right now. While Macy feels like she has a lot of raw intangibles, a lot of raw skill, but hasn't quite been able to kind of quite yet been able to really develop that skill set. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we sit here and say, like, yeah, she has some good wins. She's 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 looked good on the feet. She's looked good in her grappling. But she's also gotten outclassed in both sides of right. that and her losses. So is that just a, a measure of maybe b- being pushed a little too much too soon? Maybe. But she's not being, you know, the obviously she got dominated in one loss. But – Alexa Grosso fight, she didn't get dominated, but just, you know, and Alexa Grosso is a very high-level striker. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know, I just, I feel like it's a dangerous fight for her when she's going up against someone who's so solid I agree. in that aspect. Because if, if if Miranda gets this fight to the ground, I just think it's going to be a long night for Macy Barber. Mm-hmm. But if the fight lays on the feet, we don't really know what Miranda Maverick's uh, striking has looked like too much at least from what I can remember. Right. Um, well, so I guess I would give Macy the advantage there just off of her power alone. And yeah. Um, when she hurts yeah. people, man, she just bull yeah. rushes. So that's, that's, that's really does add a wrinkle to this fight. Um, I think that definitely could come into play. We haven't, we, there's a lot. Random Maverick is earned her, her stripes is like her, her potential. She's earned her prospect status and whatnot. Yeah. But she's still only two and zero in the UFC, yes. And it's not necessarily been to these really high level opponents. Um, well, she did beat Jillian Ro- Robertson, Robertson, right? right? They both who had is, wins over her. Is, Jillian's good, but um, you know, it's. I think that uh, the win here for whichever woman wins, then you're like, okay, they are for sure like someone we can push and really get behind because yeah. I think that the. the the ceiling's very high for the winner. Yeah. But for a loser, I'm going to have a lot of questions about really where they go. I mean, I get it for Macy, three losses in a row. And if I'm saying that question about Brandon Maverick off of one loss, that doesn't seem fair. But it's right. more so just like, are we over? Are they being overhyped? Are they overrated almost at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, that That's where I think uh, this fight has a lot at stake because yeah. of that. And how whoever loses, how they lose, I think is going to say a lot too in terms of the aftermath as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Uh, this is actually a late add to our main card. Yeah. A fight. Shout out to MMA Twitter for this one. Um, Adrian Yanez going up against Randy Costa. This was a fight. Look, we know Ooh. these are two guys that have kind of, kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of people. Um, we've been able to, at least for me, it was more Yanez. Um, his last fight with Gustavo Lopez, I believe it was. Holy uh, he had a fantastic fight, fantastic performance. But I actually knew Yanez was very good at LFA. Um, 
Randy Costa is the one that kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. And um, what I'm just really happy that this fight is getting its shine because these are two very exciting prospects. But, you know, and, and really in this fight, like, sure, we can say the obvious here where it's whoever wins, surely they're going to be, you know, pushed that surely it's to the moon for them, whoever wins this fight, you know. But really, for me, these guys are going to come in here and both put on or look to put on great performances. They've been, they've been in so many firefights, dogfights, um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of who was able to hold up and withstand the punishment more. Yeah. Um, but really, these guys are just looking for a stage to perform on. You know, they've been on these – buried on these prelims for a while now. It's it's. I'm glad that – they are getting their chance to shine on this main card. Yep. And I think they're going to steal the show. I really do. And shout out to MMA Twitter for this one. Because really, without MMA Twitter really hyping this fight up, yeah. uh, this fight would have been on the prelims still. Uh, yeah. So, Dominic, I know you've been really excited for this fight along with literally everybody. everyone. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious kind of what your thoughts are for this one as we're going in. Because obviously – we expect a dog fight here, but is there a chance that one guy comes in there and kind of starches the other? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Also don't forget Dr. Pepper versus Reese's cup here as well. It adds even more intrigue to the battle. Adrian Inez, big Dr. Pepper guy and Randy Casca. Costa. Sorry. I'm speaking too quick. Loves yeah. his Reese's peanut butter cups. As do I, I gotta say, I'm not a big pop drinker, but I do love Adrian Yanez. Uh, I think this is going to be an absolute barn burner. I mean, we're talking two guys that love to finish fights. Yanez, 10 out of 13. Randy Costa, I keep messing up his name. Costa is 6-1, and one, but he's finished all six, and all six of them are by knockout. Oh, and by the way, all six of them are in the first round. So uh, I think this fight is going to be surely very violent for however long it may last. I think it could be over quick. I think it could be a three-round war. I'm kind of going right in the middle, but I think it is going to be a fight-of-the-night contender regardless. Two guys that are just going to come in. And, yes, they like to get in firefights. They like to be in fun, exciting fights. But they're both very technically sound strikers at the same time. And we we saw that out of Yanez, especially against Gustavo. Landed that one clean shot, put him away. Uh, Costa coming off two straight wins, both by knockout. So he's shown the power there along with the precision. I can say one thing I feel very confident in. This fight may not take place on the ground for even a second unless someone gets hurt and they get finished on the ground. It's going to be a stand-up war. I'm so happy it is being added on to that main card, rightfully so. Two young guys, 27 years old, both prospects, but this is sure to deliver in all areas that fight fans want to see it. I can't wait for this. See, that's why I asked that question to you because this fight – for both these guys, we talking about how they're always in firefights. They're always in these very exciting bouts. But the reason why these bouts are exciting is because their opponents are able to just stay alive. Yeah. Let's be clear. These guys are both swinging the hammers and yes. their bouts. You know, they're not necessarily in a lot of really close fights or anything like that. They are putting a beating on their opponents and they're just able to kind of survive and mm-hmm. that's where the excitement comes in. Yeah. So now they're matched up against one another, and they've done a great job of kind of getting fans into, you know, the hardcore fans excited for this bout. Like I said, Twitter's been a big thing for them. 
Um, they're very respectful to one another, yeah. which is also you love to see that. And um, I just can't wait to see it go down because while is the winner necessarily guaranteed a top 15 next? Probably not. But you just feel like no matter – this is one of those fights that, to me, no matter who wins, who loses, I really feel like both guys have already won just because they've been able to win over those hardcore fans going in here. Now yeah. it's all about just you got your stage, you got, you're on the main card, you got kind of what you wanted put on the show that you've always done previous. Exactly. I can't wait. Let's get into the rest of this card because there's a lot more bouts to get into here. Yeah. Uh, we start with that co-main event. Number three ranked Aspen Ladd is back. Finally. When was, when was the last time we saw her fight, Dom? December of 2019, my friend. That is over a year and a half. Um, very getting dangerously close to that two-year layoff. Uh, she's ranked number three at Bantamweight. She's going up against number nine, Macy Chieson. Is that how you pronounce Chieson. it? Chieson. Yeah, it's like Chieson. she's from Louisiana, so it's like the French kind of okay, deal. Okay, so like, Macy Chieson. Um, obviously, a lot of the interest, the intrigue of this bout is more on Aspen Lad because really the girl is from day one has had the potential that, you yeah. know, she's a very young fighter. A lot of people have really given her a lot of expectations from day one. And for the most part, along the way, she kind of passed a lot of those tests, had a big stumble against Jermaine Durandamy, her first headliner, uh, Jermaine. It was a it was a controversial knockout loss, mm -hmm. um, one where she probably wasn't quite out, but 16 seconds is all it took GDR to finish that fight. And then now she's been on a long layoff. While for Macy Kieson, though, I do not think that this is a uh, – quite the what I think the people are kind of estimating about this bout is that it's really just a a chance for Aspen to kind of come in here and get a win and potentially be looking at a title shot next. But I don't think Macy Kieson is signed up for uh no bout like that. I think she's coming in here ready to oh to, yeah to make, make a name a for herself and <laughs> jump herself into top five with a win potentially. Yeah, I mean, she's been on people's radars for a while, was on the Ultimate Fighter, but just not as much as Aspen Ladd because the push just hasn't been the same. But during, you know, the layoff that Ladd's had, Macy's been able to go on a two-fight win streak now. She's coming off of a win against Marianne Renault. She's only lost one fight uh, in her career, both of these women, 7-1 and one for Macy, 9-1 and one for Aspen. So it's two incredible prospects, both super young as well. What's crazy, Aspen is still only 26 years old, and she's been out for almost two years. But she's 4-1 in the UFC. Macy's 5-1. Really, it's such an incredible fight in terms of where they are in their careers if it wasn't for a lag coming off the injury and the long layoff. But stylistically, too, Macy's very big and very long. She's 5-11, super long reach, where Aspen's the shorter one, like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, so the range is going to be interesting because that's what she likes to do. Back her opponents up against the fence and use those long arms and legs. I'm talking for Macy here, of course. And Aspen Ladd is always just a super aggressive fighter. She's finished seven out of nine fights, loves the knockout. So really it's the rangy long striker versus the, uh, you know, the dirty boxing range for Aspen Ladd. I think it's a fun one. Should Aspen win? She probably does solidify that spot as the next title contender after Juliana. 
But for Macy, if she comes in and let's say starches Aspen Lad, she very well could put herself into title talks because it would be a three fight win streak, beating someone with all the hype that Aspen Lad has. This is a very intriguing matchup uh, that I feel like people are sleeping on, even though it is in the co main event slot. Well, I mean, I guess in a way we're kind of we didn't well, give it a headline. We didn't get a so. headline, but damn it, we're talking about. It. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, this this for this for this fight, um, Aspen is a bit on the smaller side for bantamweight. Um, while Macy is very much the large, uh, very big for bantamweight yeah. here, so that is kind of an intriguing uh, equation here. Is Aspen? We know that she's going to be aggressive early. Can can Macy kind of keep that? Storm? Well, I don't even know if it's weathering the storm, but it's more so about, I guess, finding her range. You know, yeah. finding that range early. If she, because I guess in a way, if she doesn't, then she's going to have to weather a storm because uh, Aspen's going to be in her face. And I think once it gets up close, I think Aspen's going to have a, a bit of a power advantage. Yeah. Um, but I, I like this fight. I think. You would think that this is probably going to be three rounds on the feet, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would have to imagine it plays out very much. So, th- uh, so then, the if feet. that's the, if that's the case, then you know there's no doubt that this fight should be a bit exciting. It should be fun, and either woman kind of gets a win here, and they're potentially next up for a title shot. As crazy as that sounds, yeah. Um, do I necessarily think? Look, Aspen Lad has looked very good, except when she's fought elite talent, in my opinion. I mean, the GDR fight is a glaring example of that where she's an aggressive stand-up fighter. And yes, I know GDR is <laughs> world kickboxing. class. Yeah. Yes. World class. However, she got put, put down and whether you or not, you thought the fight should have been stopped right there. She still got put into loopy land for but- a good, few seconds yeah and so well, gdr is very similar to macy in terms of the long rangey style too so yeah i don't know if macy quite carries the power like gdr right so i don't know how much aspen's going to be thinking of like having to respect her power which could put her in danger she could yeah. expose her chin a little bit thinking oh macy can't hurt me the way gdr did and macy might be able to hit her with the perfect shot but i think you're just going to see aspen really try to work to close that distance get in her face and Macy's probably gonna. I don't. She might also. Macy could be the type of fighter to welcome that, though. You know, I. Yeah. As much as I think Aspen might have the advantage in that range, Macy might feel more comfortable. I don't know how comfortable she is if holding the outside and um, kind of keep. You know, like I said, playing with that distance game. I don't know how comfortable she is with that. Maybe she would prefer a dog fight herself. That could yeah. be. That could be really fun. That's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Also on this card, and my phone's up here. <laughs> on this main card, Kyler Phillips is back. This fight's sick too. <laughs> and he's going up against. He's number fourteen ranked, by the way, at uh, bantamweight, and he's going up against Raleigh and Paiva, who's the number twelve ranked flyweight. Yeah, it looks like he might be making a divisional switch here. Um, this fight's intriguing, obviously, because you got a guy that's moving up a weight class in Raleigh and Paiva. Um, which he definitely should. The guy missed weight, I believe, in his last bout. I think that fight got pulled because of his inability to make weight. I'm pretty I sure. I don't remember what happened there. But Kyler Phillips has looked really good. He had a really close fight with Song Yudong back in March. 
Uh, Song Yunong being one of those top prospects, really young guys that people have been excited about. Kyler Phillips, Kyler Phillips, you know, in 2020 kind of came out of nowhere, had that win over Cameron Elsay around October, I want to say, and then he got that win over Yudong. So they're definitely – he's kind of been moving along pretty quickly here. Mm-hmm. And going up against Paiva, who has been around for a little bit, fighting at flyweight, so, you know, not as many people are kind of aware of who he is. But the guy's a dangerous jiu-jitsu fighter, one of those Brazilians. You know how how dangerous they can be if this fight gets to the ground. Yeah. And that's kind of the question here because Kyler Phillips, we know that the guy's very slick on the feet, has some great great striking defense too that people don't talk about. And um, that's kind of the – that's really what this fight is, is it's that kind of classic matchup. But I'm not entirely sure if – both guys look at it that way. You know, that's that's kind of a wrinkle in this is much like what I talked about in the main event with uh, last week with Makachev and mm-hmm. Moises, where we thought Moises had a had an advantage on the feet and that he would look to keep it there. But then in the pre-fight video, he said he thought his grappling was better and he was going to look to grapple with Makachev, which obviously in hindsight Back wasn't the best wasn't the best decision to make. But I wonder if a guy like Raleigh Paiva would say, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna box with the uh, a guy like Kyler Phillips." Or if Kyler Phillips, if he gets taken down, is like, "Okay, I'm gonna look to welcome you know, it, welcome yeah. it," you know, because these guys are so young, still yeah. probably working on all their aspects of MMA all the time, really trying to grow some of these other, I guess other skill sets that maybe they think are a little behind what they're known for. So there is probably a part of them that wants to test those out. You know? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, both guys, like you said, they are young, 25 for Paiva, 26 for Kyler, but they're both on big win streaks too. I mean, Kyler's undefeated in the UFC uh, at three and O, but for uh, Paiva, he started and two in the UFC after he came off of the uh, contender series, Brazil, but he's rallied off two straight, including a KO over Mark De La Rosa. But like you said, the weight cut was a factor, played an issue. So I want to see how he looks up a weight class. I will say, too, just another note, Paiva is 20-3, and three, but he's only finished seven fights. But Kyler is 9-1, and one, but he's finished six out of nine. So a finisher versus a guy that likes to go the distance. So you maybe think, oh, if this goes the course of three rounds, maybe it does favor Paiva. We'll see how the weight will go for him. But, you know, as we just saw in Kyler's last fight, he went the distance with Yadong in a fight that never let up. Those boys didn't stop swinging until the final bell, and he looked fine. That's like true. he that could pace, go two more rounds. That pace of play was intense. Oh, yeah. So this fight is very intriguing. I think it could be one-sided for whoever the winner could be, kind of like how you compared the Bill Shaw and mm-hmm. Sanhagen one. I think I, I see that here uh, where, you know, whoever gets the upper hand early – will very well control the rest of the fight, whether it is a finish uh, or goes the course of the uh, three rounds. Well said. Uh, on the prelims, this is actually the fight that outside of the top three we talked about yeah. uh, on the headlines, this is my next fight that I'm This is a banger. For. Uh, they're calling him Puna Soriano, but I'm still going with Puna Hale. I love Soriano. that name so much. And he's going up against Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen being the guy that we've kind of been hearing about for a while now. We've been talking about him for a while now. Um, another one of those prospects who has came along slowly but surely. Um, 
was probably coming along a little faster before he's had a couple stumbles here in the last year and a half or so, but mm-hmm. still a very good fighter. He's going up against Puna Hale Soriano, who's really bounced on the scene with a big win over um, what was that guy's Dusko. name? Todorovic. Dusko Todorovic. Yes, that that's or a fight as you where... like to say, Sid from Toy Story. Yes, exactly. Uh, in that bout, we had seen previously from Dusko. The guy looked incredible on the feet, yes. but then he got starched. starched by Puna in that fight. So we know the power for Soriano is going to be a factor here, but Brendan Allen is just a very crafty guy. Yeah, and For being a prospect, he kind of fights like a veteran a lot of times. Very he has crafty. a lot of fights. Um, finds a lot of routes to victory that you wouldn't expect from him. Um I think he's a guy probably more inclined to take this fight to the ground, but I wonder if he'll be able to do so against a guy who physically looks much bigger in Soriano yeah. here. Yeah, this is so intriguing because I feel like Punahele is going to have the huge power advantage. He's undefeated. He's mm. finished seven of those in the first round. So a guy that likes to get in and get out. But for Brendan, as you said, uh, still so young. Puna is actually older than uh, Allen, but – Brandon Allen has 20 professional fights already. They're both contender series guys, which adds even more intrigue to this one. Brendan himself has finished 14 out of 16. Nine are submissions, and Noah mentioned how great of a grappler he is. This could be very interesting, whether it stays standing or on the feet. I would love to see Punahele get tested on the ground just to kind of see him face some adversity. But should it say stay standing, it will be close. But I gotta lean toward Punahaley because that power is there. Whereas yeah. Brendan's gonna have you know the reach advantage and be able to kind of touch him up from a longer range. Puna can close that distance with his speed and power. There's so many X's and O's of this one. I love that it's another prospect fight. Two guys that could become stars in the future. They're the bigger guys, you know, the middleweights. We need. Nate, guys like them to kind of start filling this division. It's become not stale, but everyone in the top, it seems like they've already fought each other. The back half's a little dull. And then here come these two guys in Puna Hale and Brendan Allen. This is a fantastic fight. Yeah, well said. Um, also for this fight, what – now I'm kind of forgetting what I was going to say. You've got it. Uh, You've got it. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I, I had it, and then like once you were kind of wrapping up what you were saying, I was like, "Fuck, he's about to stop talking." I gotta get it. Um, let me let me talk a little bit more about it, and maybe it'll come. It'll back click. Today. It'll click. Yeah. Yeah. So in this matchup, Soriano, to me, it feels like coming in here. Oh, I just I just thought of it. I don't even. Have it to is. Bullshit, I don't want the bullshit, you guys. I got it. Where you said you want to see. Uh, Puna Hale tested more on the ground. Like that's kind of what what you want to see him tested at. I actually want to see his cardio tested here. Mm, okay. Since he is such a big guy, um, can he go the fifteen minutes yeah. without, especially with the quite the power he carries? You know, he might be putting a lot into those shots. Brendan Allen, there's no doubt in my mind that guy can go fifteen minutes and feel pretty yeah. good. Um, so maybe for a guy like Brendan Allen, maybe that's the game you play here. You played a long game. And as, as a guy like Puna gets tired out, then maybe he's more susceptible to the shoot or he might even shoot. And it's like, oh, you're a wrestler now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he might be able to get a submission one. That's that's where I am um, 
wanting to see Soriano tested here because he seems like the the bigger um, wild card in this matchup. You know, they're yeah. both prospects, but there's just less known about Soriano. Yes. While Brendan, we're, we're, we're very much clear of Brendan's skill set. It's more yeah. so just he needs to keep developing. Yes, exactly. One more fight. And then we're done here. That's a talked lot of fights. So man, this card's so good. And this was a late edition. I'll admit, um, we weren't going to talk about this fight, but we just want to give it a little love here at the end. Mickey Gall is back. He's been bumped down to the prelims since we had Yanez and Costa uh, put in. Uh, but he's going up against Jordan Williams. And now Jordan Williams is a good opponent, nine and four. Um, guys looked pretty good. But unfortunately for him, we're not going to really talk about him here because uh, <laughs> we the story with Mickey Gall. Is very clear, very evident. Uh, this is a guy that was one of the big gets from uh, Dana White looking for a fight. Yep. Um, he comes in and welcomes CM Punk. That's right. The yes, you keep the. You keep, I is. see. I see. You keep being cheeky with that poster <laughs> behind you. Um, he welcomes CM Punk to the UFC. You know, Mickey Gall himself was a, what was he, 2-0 and fighter himself? Or yeah, 2-0, 3-0, like yeah. And uh, CM Punk was obviously making his professional MMA debut. Uh, Mickey starches him at that UFC 203 card in Cleveland that me and Dom were at, along with a few of our buddies. And, um, yeah, after that, Mickey was kind of on a big stage right there. That was a big ru- – even though CM Punk, we know, is probably the potentially the worst – uh, fighter to ever come through the UFC. It was still a celebrity, so it was like a big rub for a guy like Mickey Gall. Yeah, pay per view main celebrity card. status, you know, type deal. Like for him to kind of build his his mm-hmm. brand, and unfortunately for him, and this is going to sound a bit dramatic, and maybe I'm being a bit going a bit too far here, but in my opinion, in hindsight, it might have been the worst thing for his development that. He was kind of thrusted into that position. Um, not a, it's, he was a young guy, but more so just that so fresh into his professional debut. Yeah, um, he he looked fantastic early on. You know, his he had a good skill set, a very lanky, uh, tall fighter, very good on the ground. So which helps when you have those long limbs and things yeah. like that. Um, however, he was going up against his first two opponents in the UFC. I forget who was the first opponent he fought. It was Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson and then CM Punk were both guys that came in without a professional MMA win. So his level of competition there was not very good. And then you've seen since he kind of gets a step up in competition, it gets beat down pretty good, and then he'll win against some of these lower-level guys. So his losses to Randy Brown on UFC 217, um, he got – dominated by Diego Sanchez and mm-hmm. kind of Diego's last really good fight. Yeah. And then um, most recently he got beat by Mike Perry, who kind of embarrassingly for Mickey Gall only had his baby mama in his corner. Yeah. So, you know, Mickey, this is, this feels like we're kind of, the guy's been stagnant really ever since that win. I agree. Back in 2016, you know, he's been trading wins and losses. Well, actually, the win over Sage North Cup. That, that was a big prospect fight at the time, yeah. But when you look back on it, neither of those guys have really amounted to anything. Yeah, I mean, Sage not even in the UFC anymore, you know? And, so. and, he, but, and it's not even about being in the UFC. At one, he got starched in his debut. Had his face broken. Seen, yeah. I haven't seen him since. So, t- 
to me, we're 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 kind of what, what do you call it? We're we're are, we're treading the same water here. We're mm-hmm. you know, for Mickey. It's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. You get, and this is. I wouldn't even really say that coming off that loss to Perry that this is like a. This is Jordan Williams, a good opponent, but it's not even for Mike Perry now, who's not looking quite like Mike Perry of old. Still a step down, but if if even if Mickey Gall gets a win here, which is necessary for him, what are you going to do? Are you going to give him mm-hmm. a step up in competition again? And will he win that one? Who knows? Right. Um, I don't know. I, I think the door is very close to being shut on Mickey Gall and his potential. And a loss here might be the final nail in the coffin, and he might be done, really. Yeah, and it's crazy because off of that Dana White looking for a fight, there was so much hype behind the kid, and he had the big pay-per-view slot, albeit it was CM Punk. But um, there, at one time, felt there was so much potential for this kid. And ever since, it's just like you said, kind of stagnated. And now, I was going to ask you, you kind of already answered it, but it does feel like almost a must-win situation just for Mickey to keep his name in talks for future UFC bouts. But at one point where you're like, oh, this kid could be a contender one day or a ranked fighter. Now you don't quite feel the same way about him. And yes, he is still quite young. He was only like 23, I think, during that UFC card in Cleveland. So still relatively young into his prime ages. But as you said, when it's so back and forth, you really have to come out and just win, 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 win. But when you're stagnating, it's tough, man. So this is a huge fight for him. And obviously, I know we didn't talk about Jordan Williams as much, but should he come out and defeat Mickey, and especially if it's convincing, that at least would be the biggest win of his young career. So, That's a good point. I, I will just say to kind of add to the unfortunate, I don't mean that, you know, we like Mickey, y'all. We're not trying to like. Oh, his be, entrance at UFC 203, uh, one of my no, favorite of all. We're not trying to be Debbie Downers here, but it's just we're calling it like we see it, and this is ultimately how I see it. Mickey Gall is, what, 29 years old now? And he is no closer to reaching his potential than he was that night that he beat CM Punk. That's a good UFC 203. Yeah. You know, it's and really, I mean, it's just unfortunate because then he gets matched up with Sage Northcutt. We thought that was a big prospect fight, and then neither guy really amounts to anything. Yeah. So maybe it was just never really meant to be with Mickey, or maybe there's something else going on. Maybe he bought into his hype too much, whatever it could be. Um, I don't know. I hope, you know, I don't say this lightly because I tend, again, to be much of the middle ground in a lot of these fights. I just like to see good fights. But I'm rooting for Mickey Gall here for the yeah. sake of his of his career. I don't know if he would necessarily be cut with the loss, but I'm assuming he's getting paid decent money considering the, the stage he was on in, early on with that CM Punk win and Sage Northcutt win. So the UFC might not really see a reason to keep him around, especially because he's being bumped to the prelims. Right. So really, he's not even being kept on main cards at this point. Um, must win for sure, in my opinion. Well said. That's going to wrap it up here. Uh, went a lot longer than I even thought it was. <laughs> this card, no, honest. man. Oh, I mean, we we gave it the respect it deserves, and yeah. I can't say anything less for that. Um, that's going to wrap it up for our MMA weekend preview. Uh, let us know your thoughts on these fights and the news stories we talked about. Um, give us your predictions. Um, next week will be a two-episode week. 
So we'll obviously have a recap on Monday, then another preview on Friday for the biggest card that weekend, Bellator 263, in my opinion. Yes. Um, the title yeah. fight. Yes, for sure. But we'll get into that then. Dominic, until then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesley14. More importantly, follow us, interact with us, engage with us. Uh, find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ underscore, don't forget the underscore, MMA podcast. Yep. For me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. Uh, my bio on both of those has a link to the link tree. You click on that and you can see all the platforms the podcast is on along with social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts all on there, along with a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. Uh, leaving a voice message and being a uh, becoming a supporter of the podcast. Those are all links on there, so check those out. But um, that's it. We're out, and we're going to see you all on Monday.